turn, if you will, turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Today we look at spirit filling, consequences, and that it produces a worshiping people, that he is our great assistant. And there's nothing God desires more than to be worshiped, right? The heart of evangelism, as Piper has said, is that we want to go and take people who don't worship God and turn them into worshipers of God. See, everybody's a worshiper. Everybody. Uh, all the way back to the fall, man chose to worship, but he chose to worship himself. I want to be my own God. So there's not a lack of worship in the world. There's a lack of the right object. God the Father. That's what God wants us to focus on. So man is in love with himself, in love with what he produces, but we are people that God has called to worship the true and the living God. I'm going to read several passages. I'm going to read Ephesians, and then we'll go over to Philippians, and then we'll go to Colossians, right next door to each other, okay? And so just kind of follow me here. Look at Ephesians 5. Uh, We'll begin at verse 18. Are you there? And let me give a free rendering. Stop getting drunk. This is what they were doing. Stop getting drunk with wine. Ephesus was a drinking town. They had an idol named Bacchus there. And wine was a big celebration. And they thought you could worship better if you were drunk. And uh, it, uh, so might help some of you. I don't know. Uh, but you remember on the day of Pentecost, they came staggering out. And they accuse him of being drunk. But he says, stop getting drunk with the wine, for that is dissipation. It's, it's wasting. You're just wasting yourself. But be continually getting filled with the Spirit. Okay. Uh, so I get filled with the Spirit. And then he just immediately gives some participles. And they just, this is just the effects. This is what happens. Watch what he says. Uh, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. It's interesting he says speaking. Uh, Then he picks up singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Now, I think he works out the rest of the chapter on the results of spirit-controlled living, the home, children, how to survive in the evil day of satanic attack. But immediately there by those participles, submitting, giving thanks, uh, speaking, singing, tells us psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, that spirit-filling brings a defined response right here. The singing heart, the psalms, whatever. It just, it's right there. It's an immediate. He didn't say uh, talking in tongues here. He didn't say uh, uh, healing the sick or anything that seems supernatural or uh, uh, spectacular like in the book of Acts. But do these things. 
It will be the overflow of the Spirit's filling ministry. Okay? Now, look at Philippians 3. Paul is always having to refute the Judaizers who are always trying to get Christians under the law because their theology said you can't be holy without living under Mosaic law. Paul always said the new covenant in Christ frees us from the Mosaic law. We are not under the law either for justification or for sanctification. The law is not the rule of life, nor is it the means to get me justified. Sorry, it, I need faith. I need the Word of God. I need the new commandment in Christ. Christ is greater than Moses. I'm under Christ. I'm under the control of the Spirit, and that is the rule of life. I am not under the law, yet I'm not lawless, because I'm in law to Christ. It won't go there, but we are people freed from it. So he's always having to tell his converts, don't go back under the law. Now listen, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things again is no trouble to me, and it is a safeguard for you. Beware of the dogs. Beware of the evil workers. Beware of the false circumcision. Other words, in the flesh only, but not the heart. For we are the true circumcision, circumcision of the heart, who worship in the Spirit of God, one, two, and we glory in Christ Jesus, and three, we put no confidence in the flesh. Three marks of true worship. We worship God in the Holy Spirit, we glory in Jesus Christ, and we don't have anything we do in the flesh that we count on. Those are three ingredients of worship. Now, Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom and teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Does that sound familiar? But the difference here is not a reference to the Spirit, but to the word about Christ, which I take to be the gospel about Jesus Christ, the message concerning Christ is to occupy our thoughts in worship. He has the glorying in Christ is an aspect, and when that word is dwelling and living at home in us, we will teach and admonish one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Uh, sorry, I have to give you several readings here. I'm going to look at the matter of spirit-filled worship, Christ-glorifying worship, and Bible-saturated worship. 
Uh, the foundation of our worship is John 4. I won't go there. I'll tell you what it says. And then we'll look at just the fullness of the Spirit here in Ephesians 5. And then consider Colossians. The greatest passage in all the New Testament that governs New Testament worship is in John 4. A woman living with a guy wants to teach Christ how to worship. Uh, sound familiar? People, lives messed up, but they're experts on religion. And uh, she gets in an argument with him because the Jews and Samaritans debated where to worship. Do you worship in Samaria? Do you worship in Jerusalem? So the woman says, uh, I perceive you're a prophet, but let me tell you, we know where to worship. Jesus uh, responds, well, first of all, you're wrong about that. We Jews know where to worship. Salvation is of the Jews. But then he introduces something, and this is the whole guide, the whole guide for all of New Testament worship. The day is coming, and now is, when neither in this mount nor in Jerusalem shall you go to worship. From now on, worship will take place with only two ingredients involved. Your human spirit, small s, didn't say Holy Spirit there, small s, your human spirit or the insides of you. I think he could have said heart, but it's interesting that spirit in 1 Corinthians 2 is used of no man knows the things of a man except the spirit of a man. Maybe intelligence, the realm of knowing, your, your insides, true worship won't be external anymore in the future. Won't depend on anything external. Vestments, choirs, instruments, places, buildings, a temple, uh, Jerusalem, Samaria. No, 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 no. The worship center will be inside of you. I'm going to turn you into temples of God. And a temple is dedicated to the worship of the God. Your human spirit engaged with truth. What kind of truth? About mathematics? About geography? Oh, no, 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 no. The truth about God, about who he is, what he has done, what he has done for us in Christ. It is truth that's vertical. It is truth that uh, is God-centered. And worship becomes adoration, acknowledgement of God's worth, of God's power, of God's being. Uh, it, it is this all-consuming thing that gets the attention of our mind and moves the affections of our heart. It is not just stoical. It is not just notional. I, my whole being is involved in the truth I am adoring him over. Let, let's give an example. Let's have a hymn. Great is thy faithfulness, O God. Okay, 
The theme is, I'm adoring God for that aspect of his character revealed in reliability. I can count on him. He doesn't lie. He doesn't deceive. I want to worship you about that. Carol and I, uh, on October 4th, uh, I mentioned, I said, did you know yesterday was the 42nd year we've been going? So we got on our knees on the 4th, and we just begin to adore and worship God for his faithfulness. His faithfulness. Okay, that's worship. Uh, it's not about us, not about my poodle, uh, not, not about some problem. It's about his word, his works, him. God-centered worship. It's not worship if God isn't the center. Okay? Uh, I grew up with a lot of verbiage people and hallelujah and glory and we thank you this and we thank you. Oh, okay, that, what, what are you thanking him for? Did you know when you say the word hallelujah, you still haven't praised God? The word hallelujah is a command. Praise Yahweh. Praise Yahweh. Well, well, I just said hallelujah. Well, you just re-uttered the command. Tell me something about God to praise. Uh, 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 hallelujah, brother. Isn't he wonderful? You just told me to praise him. I told you to praise him. Hallelujah. Command. Do it. Well, can you praise about him? Anybody know anything in this building that you'd praise God about? Five people. Raise your hand. What could you praise him about? Salvation, that's not bad. A king. Faithfulness. What was it? Blessing. Cat. Perfection. Unchanged. Not doing too bad. That's what you praise him about. His character. His works. And then you can go, what he's done for me in Jesus. We glory in Jesus. So all worship, we don't need a priest dressed up in a fancy outfit. We don't need animals. We don't need candles. Uh, I don't need lighting. I get sick of the idolatry that's in the church. The big word is ambiance. Create the mood. Get me in a worshipful mood. If you'll keep it dark, I'll feel like worshiping. No, I feel like depression. I'm a child of light. I'm not a child of darkness. Candles. What? That's for my birthday, honey. I don't need, I'm not going back to Rome. I don't need liturgy. I take a plain building. I can take a Holy Ghost hall. I don't need ambiance. I need the Spirit in me and truth. And I can worship. <laughs> Carol and I took Donna out the other night. We were just, she's been here 40 years. Came out of a, a broken marriage and a church in apostasy and it was the nice building in town and uh, all that. Grew up in it all of her life, she said. And, and when she came uh, to Holy Ghost Hall, it's 
where we met in Pinal Holy Ghost Association Hall. And how many of you remember that? Any of you remember? Yeah, right there. You just met the, uh, these people were all on the ark with me. We were all on the ark together. And uh, way back, and, uh, and we were talking and said, uh, well, uh, Donna, what was it? Uh, we had rickety old chairs. Uh, she said, I smelled the booze as soon as I came in. And often on Saturday night, it, you, there'd be a lot of booze spilled on the floor. Sometimes skunks would, in the summertime would spray, and man, what an odor we'd have in there. You know what, incense. We had incense. Uh, and, uh, and we were talking, what was it? You came from this nice building, this nice denomination, this nice... Why would you go to a rickety old dance hall that smells like a, a bar? Was it the ambiance? Or was it God? The presence of God changed your life, turned her inside out, changed hundreds of lives. You see, Jesus said, you were, let me tell you right now, some of you will leave this place without worshiping, and there's no one to blame but your human spirit. You must not have any truth you're rejoicing over. It, it's not the band. It's not the job of the choir to make you worship. No, no. That's not, it's not our job to make you worship. It's the job of God, the Spirit, to make you worship. Uh, and I worship God all week. I don't need to show up. But this ought to be the most exhilarating meeting all week. You know what bothers a lot of young people with uh, uh, adult music? It's not what we sing, it's how we sing it. <laughs> Just the, all the enthusiasm has died because we're not into that. Because what we get is notional church. You just know. I just, I'm cerebral. Can you imagine on the wedding day, do you take her to be your lawful wedded wife? I do. Let's get on. No, you must kiss the bride. No, I'm not into emotion. I'm not into lips. What? You're going to write a thesis on brains? I hope she doesn't kiss your brain. It'd be hard for her to find it. What is it? What is all this dichotomy? I'm all brains and no emotion. No, you're not emotional because you haven't found anything in your brain to be emotional about. God didn't make us dichotomous. We're one whole being. Truth is to affect my spirit. And Jonathan Edwards wrote a great treatise, He who has no affections for God does not know God. He who has no emotions about God does not know God. God is not a mathematical equation. He's a divine person that will melt the stoniest heart when you come to know him. This is not science. This is relational. Now, he says in Ephesians, those that are under the control of the Spirit, it breaks out in what he calls uh, psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Now, it's interesting. Colossians says, he who is full of the message regarding Christ, full of the gospel, they will break out the same way. So I see them almost equivalent. Spirit filling, a part of its dynamic, 
It fills my heart with the message concerning Christ, the gospel. Are you still uh, reveling in the good news of what God revealed to you in Jesus? Or has, have you moved on to deeper things? There are no deeper things than Christ and all he's done for us in salvation. But listen to that Ephesians. Here he said, sing these songs, speak them. Uh, I think it's interesting. Here we're speaking and singing. Uh, let me give you a little uh, hint. I, I looked up these words I've often been bugged by psalm, hymn, spiritual songs. What's the difference? And so I did a little study here. Uh, Colossians, what bothers me in Colossians uh, is that we're to speak one to another. Now, let me ask you in singing. Uh, do any of you sing during the song service? Let's see, besides the choir. Uh, is, it, is it to always be vertical to God? Not necessarily. I think that's the way I would have answered until I studied Colossians. Look at what Colossians says singing ought to do. And Psalms, he said it ought to be admonishing one another. If I admonish you, you know what I do? I warn you. I instruct you. Uh, it's based upon the word for mind. I address your mind to change something about you. That's what the word admonish means. Sometimes it's translated to warn you. But admonish means I'm singing a message of uh, pay attention, change, whatever. And then the word teaching, of course, conveying the truth. Now, he said we ought to be, when we sing, we ought to sing songs that admonish one another, and we ought to sing songs that teach one another. So there is a horizontal ministry in singing. Not just to God. Does it teach? Does it admonish? Or do we just sing a ditty because we, we like uh, the guitar riff? Or, uh, what does it say? It's got to have content. Church has got to be content. We're not just having jam sessions here. We're about content. Okay? Now, let's, if you sing a psalm, what does that mean? And most of you don't sing psalms too well because you don't play an instrument. Psalming meant to play a stringed instrument. That's what the word really meant. Not just the 150 psalms. It was to pluck a harp string, to twang. It's used that way in Greek. Twang, strings. So it was songs with musical accompaniment. David was a harp player, right? He played for Saul. So psalming, you could sing a psalm to a pagan deity, and they call it a psalm. I'm playing a stringed instrument to it. And so it was something sung to God usually with musical accompaniment. Then we go to hymns. Hymns primarily uh, were songs that celebrated, celebrated or recited the attributes 
of one of the gods. Uh, the Greeks sang hymns. They sing them to their gods. The Philistines sang to Dagon. Uh, so the idea is, I'm praising my God for what he delivered me from battle. Deliver me from this or that. So it's a song of celebration. I think getting across the Red Sea, Exodus 15. Great song. Pharaoh, the horse and his rider, you've cast into the sea. You've made a way. Great celebration. Great celebration. That's what we ought to be singing. And then this little word, oddities or odies, uh, if I can say it right, O-D-E-S, odes, uh, was an idea of spiritual songs born of the Spirit, and it was basically experiential songs. And there's about 36 of them in the Psalms, from Psalms uh, 30, let's see, 30, Psalms 18 to 134. There's 36 different Psalms that record David. It's experiences. You delivered me from uh, Saul. You delivered me from this. And they are songs of praise, but very experiential. You'll get some people, we should never sing an experiential song. Why not? As long as you're giving praise to God. God delivered me. Uh, God did this. Uh, God triumphed over this matter. And so, You've got this combination prompted by the Spirit. And uh, have you ever heard of a new song? Have you ever read the Psalms where it said, uh, let us sing a new song to the Lord? Okay. Why is it some of you croak every time we sing a new song? Was all the sacred music written in the 1600s? Do you have to be from Northern Europe to write a hymn? Basically, Germans, great, great words. And as a whole, you, we can't beat the verbiage of what's said out there. Now, you take, we sang this morning, he whispers sweet peace. Now, is that a hymn or a spiritual song? It'd be a testimonial. It's he whispers sweet peace. And, and you're over here, you're getting ready to have your nervous breakdown. You're saying, well, he didn't whisper to me. Said, this is my testimony. I was despairing. I turned to the Lord, and I've written a song to celebrate him. God whispered sweet peace to me. See, a lot of experiential songs. Uh, it's amazing. The Pentecostals taught me the experiential songs. The Baptists taught me the hymns. They did. How Firm a Foundation and, and all these wonderful songs. But over here was a lot of experiential stuff that, uh, you know, emotional. By the way, uh, should worship ever involve emotion? Um, let me tell you what emotionalism is. Emotionalism is a lot of response without truth. You just add, you know, you're doing whatever. You can be like the prophets of Baal, jumping up and down on the altar. Just got to do something, do something. Uh, emotional, whatever that, however that comes out. Uh, no, when we talk about emotion, we're not talking about emotionalism, which is I'm just doing something that has nothing to do with truth. No, we're saying that truth should beget holy 
emotions, affections, if you want to be Edwardian. And so that you cannot believe, uh, I think it was the great struggle I had coming out of Pentecostal circles with all their exuberance, all the enthusiasm, uh, wonderful singing, spontaneous singing as I remember it, all of that. And then guess what I did? I went to Baptist schools. And I was the most emotional guy in the school. Very subdued, or they'd kick me out. Rich Rollins says, you were the only guy in theology class that had to sit in the back because you wept so much as you heard truth. So starving for truth. I had emotion. I had the uh, microwave oven of wonderful Pentecostal meetings. Loved it. Saved in it. And if I'd had my way, that's where I'd be pastoring. But truth kept getting me over here where that's not where necessarily I could fit. But here I had all this emotion. Then I'd go to schools because I had a hunger to know. I saw it in my dad. I saw it in my brother. I saw it in my sister. We always wanted to know. We didn't want to stay ignorant. We wanted to know the Bible. Is there anything wrong with wanting to know the Bible coming out of a red-hot meeting? Do you still have a hunger for the Word? Dallas Seminary didn't illuminate me. No seminary made me hungry to know. The Holy Spirit made me hungry to know. And the only guys teaching that around this place was Baptist. El Cerrito, Western Baptist College. I went to different Baptist schools. Well, as a whole, there was no emotion. I used to go up and hug my prof after a great lecture, and I'm wiping my eyes. Now, my prof was six foot five, an ex-Navy boxer, a debater, and weigh about 280 and did not believe in touch and thought emotion was a work of the flesh. Well, I didn't know. I said, thank you, Laverne. I just loved it. And he's there. Are you done? He went, no, he's really nice. He let me. But there was no hugging back. That's a work of the flesh, remember. And so when I first came out, I always had to listen to black gospel music and southern gospel to remember what emotions were. Because I wanted truth, but I wanted to still be emotional about it. I was going to jump a pew, but I wasn't going to stare like I was just a Presbyterian. I'm not a Presbyterian. So this church came about. We're a hybrid. Some of you get nervous when we're emotional because you're all notional. You're frozen in it. That's spiritual. Whatever it is, that's you. And that's all right. You stay you. But can I be me? You not get all offended. Say, well, man, there are fanatics down there. Fanatic, my foot. We're happy about the resurrection of Christ and that he's coming again. And we got truth. I'm not getting it all whipped up. Some of you just want to say, cut it straight, cut it straight, cut it straight. So what if we cut it straight? What is it doing for you? Are you a worker for God? Do you bust out in worship? Do you bust out even weeping? Do you bust out in thanksgiving? Or you just say, well, pretty good sermon today. No, 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 no. Frozen saints, backslidden, lukewarm, he told Laodicea, 
boil in spirit. You lost your zeal, and you need to repent. You read it in Revelation 3. And the word zeal there is to boil. I have to fight for it because I'm so emotional just by makeup that people think I'm spiritual. <laughs> just being emotional doesn't make you spiritual. Why are you emoting? What moves you? Does Jesus, and he went over here, the word concerning Christ fill your heart. Three things, our worship, the foundation, my spirit, and truth. Two, the fullness of the spirit. When he's filling me, I'll break out some way, speaking or singing psalms, hymns, spiritual song. Some way my mouth starts becoming a conveyor of divine content, divine truth. When his word, the word concerning Christ fills me, same response. I bust out with my mouth because my heart's engaged, and I start speaking to you in what? Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. So is the word filling you about Christ? Is the spirit filling you? What is your mouth doing? What are you sharing? Can you keep it quiet? If you can keep it quiet, it's not a spring of living water springing up into eternal life. I will put in you a river that will spring up into eternal life. This spake he of the Holy Spirit, which had not yet been given, for the Son of Man had not yet been glorified, John 7, 37 through 39. Let me tell you, saints, we need to pray for revival and revived worship and that we're not just coming here, the state hour. There ought to be enthusiasm. Our young people shouldn't have to teach you adults to sing. You ought to sing with all your heart. And don't complain about new songs if the content's right. I got to learn them too. I don't want to become an old folks home. I'm not just going to live on Bill Gaither. There's other music. And I grew up on Gaither. There's a new age, new people coming to the body, never heard anybody ever heard I'll fly away. <clears throat> That's not what they need to know. They need truth. Truth. The truth of this word. This is what they know. So we keep our roots. We keep where we came from. But we keep trying to reach another generation. So are we worshiping? Does anyone accuse us of being a spirit-filled worshiping church? I wish, I, you know, if Deborah and I had our way, we would combine the two services so this building resonated. Because uh, this is not an easy building to sing in. You know what I loved as a Pentecostal? We had small buildings. We did. A lot of them were just storefront buildings or whatever. This biggest thing I've ever been able to hang out in. But you know what? I was worshiping God in storefront buildings in Holy Ghost Hall. I don't need the building. This is nice. But I wanted to echo people praising God. People moved by the Spirit of God. People changed. I, this is no museum for me, show-off place. No, 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 no. We just do it to accommodate people. But I tell you, if the word gets out that this place is alive when we worship, it's exhilarating, it's exciting, and you won't have to worry about staying awake. And some of you that just sat there, uh, please don't quench the spirit. You're going to get old 
and cranky and sour unless you ask for fresh touches from heaven, all of us. We need to be touched constantly afresh from heaven. And the church said, Amen. Amen.